We're jumping into this scripture. It's Joshua 3, 5. And uh, Gideon actually used it this morning, and we didn't plan that, so that's pretty cool. Um, but it says here, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And so we've spent the last week consecrating ourselves before the Lord, and, um, and I'm super grateful for what we're all anticipating He's going to do in us and through us. And so cool to hear some testimonies. Um, I have a powerful testimony in that regard too, but I can't really share it. Uh, <laughs> but it's really cool, I promise. <laughs> um, but I was just thinking on this, you know, like I think six years ago, um, I felt the Lord call me out of teaching and into ministry. And I um, went to a friend, um, he's a pastor for prayer. Ultimately, I was like, hey, I want to do this. Oh, I feel the Lord calling me to do this. And I want to make sure there's nothing clinging to me, you know. I want to get rid of my, some of my junk. Um, <laughs> I want to go into this knowing that there's some freedom in my life. And um, ob obviously, there's decades of journeying that way. But um, he said to me, um, exactly what, what did I feel called to? And it wasn't a question about like role or position or anything like that. It was about what's the deepest desire of your heart and that sense of calling. And um, we kind of tracked through my life. And, you know, there's obviously a, a pastoral thing there, but that's a, that's a gifting and that's, a, that's something else. The sense of calling was, was um, just about ministering to the Lord, you know. And... Uh, out of that, there was the innermost desire was to be, um, well, and he called it a priest, right? And and we, it conjures up some little collar and various other things. If you go to Gallery Fitness, the gym, the man over there calls me man of the cloth. Uh, <laughs> it conjures up those kind of pictures for some people, right? Um, but the word priest, uh, it, it carries actually some pretty foundational meanings. And I want to track through that today. Um, because I think actually, yes, it was for me, this was my journey, but each and every one of us are first and foremost sons and daughters called to the priesthood to minister to the Lord. And so I want to talk about what is a priest, okay? Uh, what is a priest? And so firstly, <clears throat> a priest is one who mediates in service to God. So a priest acts as an intermediary to work uh, with opposing sides in order to bring some sort of settlement. That sounds like quite legal jargon, but ultimately there's only one mediator between God and humanity, and that's Jesus Christ, right? And we were in opposition to God, with God, because of sin, but we inherited, like we inherited first Adam's stuff, right? His sinfulness, and thus we were dead in our trespasses, but God alone could resolve the dispute. And so the last Adam took our place and died our death and rose again from the grave. And we saw that illustrated beautifully in the baptismal pool this morning. And uh, ultimately, he conquered sin and death so that we too could live and become alive again to God without the consequences of death for sin. Amen, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So... Uh, Actually, the entire way through Jesus' ministry, um, you can see him acting as a high priest. And we had this little conversation this morning which sparked it. And, um, and I was thinking, I was looking through the book of Mark and, and various others, other gospels, and, and every, there's all these moments where he functions as a high priest. Uh, Mark 1.44, um, he cleanses a leper. And instead of going um, the, 
tradition and the law would say, go and present yourself to the priest, to the high priest, and he'll declare you clean. He doesn't. He just says, you're clean. Because he is the high priest, right? Yeah, obviously. Um, Mark 2 23, Jesus instructs his disciples to pick the heads of the grain, you know, and he's quoting David because David did that with his dudes, his mighty men. And uh, when he did that, he's really saying, I'm a priest in the order of David. <clears throat> um, Mark 2, 5, he declares the paralytic man forgiven, right? Who could do that? It's a function delegated only to the high priest by God himself. I could go on and on. On story after story after story, Jesus functions as a high priest. He is our high priest. And I think it's, um, yeah, now I'm going to run out of time. I'll skip that. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that's first point. <laughs> Second point is that to be a priest also means that we are ones who are holy or set apart to perform those services to God. And so really this week has been us consecrating ourselves to the Lord to set ourselves apart for him you know and he does the work <laughs> within us but um you know Jesus was set apart right by by Hebraic law by custom he was set apart he was baptized even though he had no sin right as a symbol of his priestly consecration and shortly after this the Holy Spirit led him into the into the wilderness right to be tempted by Satan, and he overcame by the word of the Lord by laying down his will to the Father. On return, he, uh, he's come out of the wilderness. He encounters this demon-possessed man, right, in the synagogue, and the guy is crying out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's in Mark 1.24. Like this very title, that title, the Holy One of God in Scripture is reserved only for Israel's, Israel's high priest, right? So this demon is identifying Jesus. He recognizes him as the eschatological high priest who would, who would at some stage destroy the demonic forces. Oh, you're, that, you're the one. I recognize who you are. I know who you are. The whole way through Hebrews, Jesus is described as the one who's holy, who's innocent, who's spotless, who's undefiled. He's separated from sinners. He's exalted above the heavens. He's blameless. He's the pure one. He is set apart. And here's the thing. If you look at um, the John and Luke depictions of the Last Supper, those narratives provide us with these it's really specific, but ultimately Jesus in that moment was ordaining his disciples as new covenant priests. He was ordaining his, his new, his apostolic team as new covenant priests. He uses this phrase, do this in remembrance of me. And that language was actually only ever used around the sacraments of the, sac the priestly sacrifices, right? And, and he's using it in regard to the sacrament of communion that the priests were instructed to do. Uh, Jesus, he washes their feet after that, and he says, take part in this, this, this ritual, this ritual washing. You know, and it's, it's the same thing that the priests would have done, like Aaron, uh, and uh, they washed themselves, they cleansed themselves, they went through a ritual cleansing. So 
part of Jesus' role as son was to establish uh, the ordination of a priesthood, a new priesthood, a new order of priesthood. And ultimately, he was setting them aside, setting them apart from the old order. He, he called the old order of priesthood whitewashed tombs, right? Clean on the outside, pretentious, um, presenting a picture, an image, and yet on the inside, death. But Christ himself became the sacrifice, and he would prepare uh, a sacrifice. Like Jesus was the sacrifice. Like the priests used to prepare a sacrifice, Jesus was the sacrifice. <laughs> and I, I really believe that like the, like the first disciples who were ordained into priesthood, um, we, you, are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, and you are his priestly kingdom. It says this in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession, and as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So what is to set us apart? What is to set us apart? What sets apart a royal priesthood? <clears throat> I really believe that it's that we would take up our cross and bear it as Christ did. I, I think that's the, the demarcation. That is the distinguishing feature. It says in, in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, this is Jesus speaking. He's telling his disciples, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So what, what does it mean to be a disciple, right? To follow after Jesus is to deny yourself. <laughs> to die to your own will. <clears throat> it says of the end time disciples, in Revelation 12, 11, it says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. They loved not their lives unto death. I, I believe that this is our true and proper calling, to be a priest, to be priests, and to minister unto the Lord and to love not your life unto death. To live for Jesus like he died for us. See, Jesus was all in. This morning we, we prayed over a couple of people that like, I just want to be all in, <laughs> you know, and this is what baptism is signifying for us, all in, to take up our cross and follow him and lose my life to find it. Our great high priest showed us what this looks like. He, he's our model. He's our type. He, he's the perfect representation of the Father. He is perfect theology, and we were created in his image and likeness. Gideon said this morning something around something like this, but revival is when we are revived back to our original creative intent, like to look like him. He revives us back to what we were originally created to be, his image and likeness. And that's what we are becoming um, because we belong to him. But that transformation just, it, it has to happen on the deepest level of us because it's an inside out job. 
us being revived. Because Jesus was this kind of priest, we get to approach him boldly. And I, I think it's only in knowing who we are and our identity in relation to him that we can approach the throne of grace boldly. So what do we do? What do priests do? Um, I, I believe they live a life of consecration. And this, that's what this week has taught us. It starts on our knees, surrendering our will to him. Our will, our, your will is that faculty of volition, right? It's that, it is your, uh, it's your ability to choose, to determine, to, to decide, to control the outcome, to be too resourceful, to distrust his ways and his path, right? He's calling us to surrender those options over to him and take upon us his will. I counted nine times in the gospel, and I, I might have miscounted. I'm not awesome at counting. Uh, <laughs> there might be more is what I'm saying. I counted nine times in the gospels where Jesus says to his disciples that they had to take up their cross. Nine times. Jesus repeats himself nine times. I reckon there's a pretty clear message that they had to bear their cross to follow him. Not his cross. Like his cross was to die for the sin of the world. But our cross is to submit our will to the Father. You see, Jesus did nothing outside of what he already saw the Father doing. John five nineteen. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. And whatever the Son does, the sons and the daughters do also. Right? That's you and I. We've got to count the cost. And then we've got to submit our will. And then we've got to follow regardless of the cost. But you need to count the cost because it's going to cost you. Because <laughs> if you're not willing to lay down your life, you, you're not willing to gain your life, the life that he has for you. I watched this movie. Um, ultimately, I was fasting food, right? And I was just craving so bad I couldn't sleep. And, <laughs> and uh, self-denial doesn't come naturally to me. And, um, and I, I, I blew out and I watched part of this movie. And it's, it's really hard to find something decent to watch. But um, it was called First Night. And, um, and it was okay. Like, I, I'd actually turned it off partway through. But, um, <laughs> but everything else was just unedifying and rubbish. So I was watching this, and this, it did impact me. There was this moment where the queen denies her feelings for another man and submits her will. Right? She actually expresses this to the king, her husband. She said, my will is far stronger than my feelings. That's really interesting to think about. Yeah, ultimately, God has designed us, you know, spirit, soul, and body. And uh, <laughs> our mind, will, and emo emotions are a function of our soul. And it was always intended that the Holy Spirit would be in charge of our spirits and, would, uh, and under which we would submit our souls which would rule our bodies, right? So the spirit of Jesus would convict my spirit of righteousness, go this way or this way. This is the better way, go this way. And I, my will would obey. And then my emotions would fall into line. But it seems that our culture kind of has that backward. If, if we're not just basically ruled by our flesh, our I'm hungry, I'm horny, 
you know, being demanded on by impulses and, and instincts, those lesser drives, if it's not that, then we've set ourselves up to be ruled by our emotions. I feel, therefore, it must be true. No. <laughs> like, yield your will to His over your feelings. You know, your feelings are actually, they're just an indicator of your heart. They, they're not truth. They don't tell you who you are. They show you where you've been. Feelings are like the light on the dashboard of your car. I was just saying, I know nothing about cars, but I drive one enough to know that there's little lights on the dashboard and they indicate when the engine needs something. You know, I'm overheating. Cool me down, right? I'm dry. Uh, give me oil or something. Uh, I'm running low on water. Fill me, yeah? But, but it's got to be from the right source, I'm, I'm saying this because I know so many of us are driven by our emotions. Oh, I feel out of love. Or even driven by our heads, you know, for that matter. Oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. But be led by the Spirit. Love is a choice. Set your will on His. As Paul says to buffet your body, right? Like an athlete. Why? Because how else are we going to learn discipline? How else are we going to learn to deny ourselves? That's the reason why we've been fasting this week. That's the reason why He calls us to a lifestyle of consecration and fasting is because as we discipline our cravings, we actually fall into line with His will and purposes. We hear His voice more clearly. You know, the enemy can only predict selfishness. It says in Job, Two, four. Skin for skin, this is Satan. Satan says this. A man will give all he has for his own life. That's what he believes of you and I. That's what he thinks of humanity. He can never fathom self-denial. It's not in him. He, he doesn't, he, he, he can't fathom it. But Jesus said, greater love hath no man than he would lay down his life for another. Right? Deny yourself and you move out of the path of the enemy and he cannot predict your next move. Because God is selfless love. Satan is self-glorification. So deny yourself, consecrate yourself as a lifestyle and you're beyond the scope of his vision. He can't see you. You notice that after the temptation in the wilderness, with the devil himself, Jesus never encountered him again because he proved that his will was wholly submitted to the Father and there was no vice in him. Satan had no clue what Jesus was up to after then. You know, he thought, Satan thought he was winning some sort of cosmic war, like, ah, oh, I'm going to kill him. This is amazing. I'm, I'm the man. Look at this. I'm defeating God. He had no clue. You know, and then Jesus walks in authority over all demonic spirits that are on earth as he's going around ministering and he conquers death and he determines the final destination of Satan and his demons all because he walked in submission to the Father. And as a priesthood, as a holy nation, that is what we are called to do, to walk in submission to the will of the Father, His will. 
Even Jesus said, not my cup, Lord, but yours. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, we, we receive your consecration, Lord. We, uh, we want to be set apart for you. Lord, we want to be a holy nation. We want to be your salt and light in this earth. We want to be set apart and different in the world. But we, we know that we need your spirit to consecrate us, Lord. I ask that you would purify us and cleanse us of all that is not of your will. And we align our will to the Father. We submit our will to you. And we just thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in and through this week of prayer and fasting and consecration, Lord. And may it kickstart, may it give birth to a lifestyle for us, a lifestyle where all we crave is your will. We want to put you first. We're all in, Lord. We are all in. Yeah. Jesus' name.